Market. The S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast. Well, it's lockdown like the rest of us. I'm Scott Phillips, and with me, as always, the straw man himself, Andrew Page. G'day, mate. How are you? G'day. I'm very good. How are you? I'm excellent. You know what I'm going to ask you next, don't you? What is straw man? I don't know. That's a good question. What do you think straw man is? <laughs> well, I'm... You <laughs> prepared this week. <laughs> well, it's actually what straw man is uh, versus what straw man is becoming is two separate things because uh, we're actually... We're actually launching uh, Strawman Premium after about oh, look three out. years. Yes. Okay, this is broken news. So, look, I'll, I'll let people go to the website to discover what it's all about. <laughs> but essentially, we are a premium exclusive online investment club. So, if you're the kind of person that likes to get into the nitty gritty of shares and see what other smart investors are saying, then uh, we are for you. Come come to the website. Come check it out. Right. So, so is, is the information on the website right now? Right there. Yeah, I, mean, I, I won't do it right now because we've got a podcast to record, but as soon as we're finished, <laughs> I will go to strawman.com and check out Strawman Premium. That's exciting, yeah, mate. Well, that's, uh, we, we did get a question a couple of weeks ago about how is Andrew going to make some money. Is, is this related somehow? Yeah, well, mate, this has been coming out of my own pocket for like four years or something now. So if it needs to be viable, we need to pay the bills somehow. But you go from public service to actually a, a sustainable business. I love it, mate. That's awesome. <laughs> well, what's, go what's, to- what's cool <laughs> about it, I was going to say, is that we've, we've, just, we've very deliberately chosen a model which is means that we're not reliant on taking money from brokers and investor relations firms nice. and all the grubby things there. So <laughs> when I, it's not a branding exercise. When I say it's an investment club, it's an investment club by members, <laughs> nice. for members. So yeah, that's, we're, we're really excited. Beautiful, mate. That's unreal. Well, that's exciting. So go to strawman.com, find out all about Strawman Premium. You won't see it before me because I'm going to do it as soon as we, I finish this podcast, but uh, <laughs> you'll see it pretty soon, pretty soon after. So that, that, that's exciting. Congratulations on the, on the launch of Strawman Premium. That's very cool. Thanks, man. Thank you. Now, I, uh, I should say I'm, I'm the Chief Investment Officer of The Motley Fool. If you're a new listener, and The Motley Fool tries to give uh, retail investors like you and me uh, investment advice that hopefully is going to beat the market. Uh, so far, so good. Um, should say, mate, I'll give a bit of a quick plug. I was doing some numbers only this week because you, you know Bruce. We, you wish you to work for Bruce. Uh, Legend. Bruce said to me tell you yesterday morning, uh, I said, hey, scorecards are improved. I said, well, tell them, tell them, and tell them again. I'm, All right, fine. <laughs> So I did the numbers yesterday. Uh, our average recommendation is actually up 69% for Share Advisor over almost 10 years compared to 44% for the ASX, both including dividends. So I'm um, pretty, pretty excited about that. So look, whether you are wanting to do it yourself and hear from others, whether you want to do it yourself and hear from us, or hopefully both, go to strawman.com and go to fool.com.au because uh, we, to some degree, our businesses kind of compete, Andrew, but the market, frankly, is not just Strawman and the Motley Fool. It is a whole lot of people, including the aforementioned brokers and, and uh, financial advisors and, and some degree of grubbiness elsewhere. So uh, if you're looking for great investment ideas, great investment advice, strawman.com and fool.com.au are pretty good partners. We'd be more than happy, mate, to uh, both succeed at the expense of others. Let's put it that way. <laughs> There's plenty of room, man. Let, let, let's, just, let's just put the, uh, the dodgy brothers out of business, then we'll be okay. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Awesome, mate. Love it. All right, let's get on with the podcast then. Um, I mentioned lockdowns at the top. So I guess <clears throat> want to talk about lo- want to talk about lockdowns, not because, well, frankly, <laughs> there's not a shortage of news about it everywhere else. Let's try and put a, a business spin on this one, mate. Um, and an investing spin because we are in lockdown in Victoria, in South Australia, in Greater Sydney. There is a mask mandate outside Greater Sydney for the rest of New South Wales. Even the regional towns of Orange and, and Surrounds are also in lockdown right mm. now. Um, we, you know, we, everyone knows that. We know that. You know that. <coughs> mm. I say that largely to date stamp this because by tomorrow or whenever you listen to this podcast, things could have obviously changed. It's, um, it, it kind of feels like, mate, we're sliding back into 2020 to some degree, right? It was mm. one case and it was five cases and it was New South Wales and it was Victoria. Now it's SA. Um, uh, there's the occasional case still in Queensland. And I guess the concern right now is... Yeah, Scott Morrison was very clear yesterday. So we recorded this on Thursday, the was it twenty second of July. Yesterday, Scott Morrison was doing a press conference saying he doesn't think there's going to be a recession, and yet it's kind of one of those things where you know the old he thinks he protests too much um, because <laughs> when people start saying no, 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 no recession, you think, hang on, I wasn't thinking about recession. Is there going to be a recession? Um, and maybe, maybe it's maybe it actually raises the specter of something that otherwise people wouldn't have thought about. It does feel like though that starts to become a more I won't say more likely. I don't mean. I don't mean it is likely, but more likely than it was as every day goes past. And I guess mm. for investors, my first question is: What if any lessons did you draw from the 2020 lockdown in terms of business investing, your approach to investing, and how should we start to think about this entering? <coughs> excuse me, uh, entering what's possibly an extended lockdown. It's easy to say nothing. Don't do anything different. On the flip side, the market fell 38% from top to bottom, February to March, mm. and then recovered it all and plenty more. 
Is there another big crash coming, mate? Is there is there an opportunity for people to, to hoard some cash to keep the powder dry? Uh, or do we do the reverse and, and keep investing because, well, there was a eventual return anyway and recovery, and so you might as well ride the, the whole wave? Oh, what, what a huge question to lob at me to, in, to in start In 30 off. seconds or so, if you could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the big question, right? It's literally yeah. the big... If you're an investor right now with any sort of portfolio, even if you're just getting going, you're kind of saying, gee, 2020 is pretty raw in my mind. And yeah. yeah, it ended okay. But gee, I, you know, if I had the game again, would I do it differently? Kind of, this is, yeah, this is, this is, well, maybe this might be the second run at it, right? If we had the dress rehearsal or is this time different? It's hard. I, I would be surprised if we see as much of a fall. So the, the, Whenever you see a massive dislocation on the market and a big 38% fall, I think it was one of the sharpest corrections in um, in history. I think it was the fastest bear market and the fastest recovery literally in history, yeah. back to back. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and those, what the, the key ingredient for that is uncertainty. And right. so it's very easy now because we've got this sort of lived experience. But at the time, we didn't know. Yeah. This could have been like the movie Contagion for all we knew at that point, right? <laughs> Do you know, I still keep thinking about that every now and again. Have you, <laughs> watched, that rec- have it. you watched that movie recently? It's I have like not. Is it scary? Scarily accurate <laughs> in terms of not, not, the, not the lethality of the virus, but in terms of yeah. humanity's reaction. Anyway, yeah. um, they, did, they, did, they didn't get the toilet paper hoarding right. But other than that, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty accurate. A great movie. Anyway, so, so it, was, it, was, it was that were the conditions, right? This time yeah. around... I think we're a little bit a little bit wiser. So okay. on one hand, I think absolutely it is going to have a very real impact and I'll come mm, back to that. Mm, mm. But two, I think people are, are probably going to be a little calmer, a little bit more level-headed yep. having gone through it so recently. Um, the other thing I would say is that the lesson from last year was that it was a tale of two economies, if I can generalize. Mm-hmm. And I, we've said this before, it's like a lot of uh, most sort of recessions, it's sort of this pain that's pretty evenly spread across the whole, you know, all, all different yeah. industries. Yeah. But for COVID, um, it's it's chalk and cheese. So if you're someone who's um, an office worker, mm-hmm. um, for a lot of people I know, it's like, oh, this is, this is the best thing ever. I get to stay in my Ugg boots. I get <laughs> yeah, to work from home. You know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's a bit of a hassle to sort of homeschool the kids, but you know, yeah, I, I actually yeah. save a lot of money because I can't spend it, and the, and the paycheck keeps coming in, and and yeah, so for yeah. for a lot of people, it's actually, I mean, very psychologically stressful and all of that kind of yeah. stuff, but financially, actually, very positive. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got someone, people who work in bars. I got friends who work in restaurants, and they just go from a hundred to zero overnight. Yeah, poor buggers, yeah. So it it is, and you know, I got a friend who who works in construction. He's he's mm-hmm. been forced to take his little remaining holiday uh, pay, and he's at home twiddling his thumb. So that that's what's different about it. So it's yeah, right. we we, we, we it, there's this bifurcation that we need to sort of address with this. So so there's there's that to acknowledge, and then when just to you know the final point to your question, what does that mean as investors? Um, I think um, all of the things we've said before still hold true. The temptation is to go, well, I'll wait for the crash and then I'll buy at the bottom. You and I have spoken many times, although that's eminently yeah. um, uh, sensible in, in yeah. desire. Yeah. It just yeah. it requires this uncanny ability to time and, and no, one, mm. no one can mm. do it. So I think you just basically, as I've always sort of said, I've just got a list of businesses I really, really like. And I've built up that list over quite a number of years of doing a lot of, mm. uh, you know, mm. I, these, these, I would like to own this business. And I've also figured out a price that I think is sensible. And all of these, all of these prices assume that there's probably going to be the few speed bumps. There's going to be the few, uh, a few hiccups. Yeah. And it's really based over what I, I sort of see over the next decade type thing. And COVID won't really change that in a lot mm. of instances. So what, what you do is you say, well, I've, I said before that company XYZ I really like and I'd be really mm-hmm. happy to buy it at a dollar. It's mm-hmm. sort of been sitting at a dollar fifty, so it's too expensive for me. But all of a sudden now it's 90 cents. Yeah. Um, maybe now's yeah, a good right. time to buy, you know? And then, okay, it goes to 70 cents. Well, now it's even, even now I've got a bit more money, I'll, maybe I'll buy a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so it's not about this, this, people really have this obsession with trying to sort of pick these turning points where I try and sort of anchor everything on what's a fair price, and I just wait for wait for Mr. Market to knock on the door and give it give it to me. If it goes lower than that afterwards, so be it. You know, it's not about yep. timing. If it goes up straight afterwards, hey, that's happy days. Um, yeah. But but that's I think the way you should approach it. And just just keep your eyes on the horizon because mm. it's gonna it's probably gonna be pretty tough over the next few months. But at the same time, there will be a point if you know the feds ever pull their finger out mm. that we are all vaccinated and <laughs> um, the world's largely vaccinated and, and we do go back to some kind of semblance of normal. Yeah. I'm curious as to, so I'll, I'll give my thoughts in a minute, but I am curious if we kind of keep going 
forward from that point. When you look at the when you look at the response, it was last year's response in hindsight reasonable because of that uncertainty, and therefore this year we should be able to say, well, we kind of know what's going on. Do we look back at last year and say, man, we were idiots? I mean, you mentioned contagion, so maybe 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 two people had that move in their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. To some degree, you know, in hindsight, it's easy to... So I'm, I'm, battling, I'm battling two thoughts as I ask you the question, frankly. Part of me is thinking, you know, is the uncertainty that much worse now, that much better now, in the sense that I guess we know the lethality, I guess we know the spread, I guess governments have made some decisions and, and have started to do it, I guess we've got a vaccine. So it's easy to say, well, of course, we're in a very different position. On the other hand, and so, so that explains why this is could be less volatile than then. On the other hand, I tend to look back and go... Man, thirty-eight percent, like four, fi- you know, uh, two-fifths of the world's entire market value for all listed companies in the world evaporated in in, in three weeks. I, I, I'm tempted. To look, I said at the time, so maybe I'm maybe I'm just trying to congratulate myself. But you look back, and go, man, that was never that was never reasonable. Like you know, no, no. In, under what scenario was two-fifths of the world's economy eviscerated permanently? And you kind of go, well, that was never going to happen. I mean, what what would have had to have happened for that to be true? Uh, it would have had to be contagion plus plus plus, right? Like it's, it, 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 I, I'm kind of, I agree with you. Maybe, you know, the opportunity has passed as much as the, the freak out has passed because that's the flip side, right? When the market mm. freaks out, there's opportunity, as you rightly said. Um, but I do wonder how we think about pricing of risk or pricing of future opportunity in that in that scenario. Are we, are we too? Uh, are we too eager this time just to maybe think, well, of course we know what's going on. Of course it couldn't possibly go badly. Um, I'll mention retail sales in a second, but it's not nothing. What What is an appropriate discount for the second time around? I, I, well, again, it comes back, you've always got to hit the bedrock of the big ideas of investing, right? Mm, and mm. and the big idea, really, one of, the, one of the core ideas is that the value of a stock, the value of a house, the value of a painting of an mm-hmm. emu farm of any kind of asset is is purely a function of all its all the cash flows it will generate over its lifetime. But that's it. You add it all together and you discount something that's out 10 years more than you would that's something that's tomorrow. Mm, mm, but that's mm. basically the idea. So you can you can absolutely, there's there's un, there's all, I hate this idea that the financial press says it all the time. It's like, oh, there's a really mm, uncertain mm, times. Mm. There are always uncertain times. You, you get in a time machine and go to somewhere where there's no uncertainty. And I would say the the point of lowest uncertainty more often than not is probably the the, the just at the peak, right? Yeah, so probably. so so I would sort of say that's just normal. It, it is the future is always sort of unknowable. Yeah, yeah. But but within all of that, you just you add these sort of big margins of safety. You know that even if we do have a big wobble this year, well, that's one year out of fifty potentially, right? In terms of all the future cash flows that you're adding up. So does it have an impact? Yes. Is it something that that warrants a forty percent fall? You know, because let's say Woolies just let's keep it simple. Let's just say they earn a billion dollars in profit from here and until the next twenty years, and then they go bankrupt, and that's yeah, exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, and that's what that, you know. Let's let's keep it simple. Like there's, there's no growth in that. That's exactly what they do, and then and that's what we assume to be true. And then yep. in the next year, the the profit halves. Now I can't do mm. this maths in my head, but I, <laughs> I'd argue someone go to on, do that. On. And you yeah. take that first yeah. year and you 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 divide it in two and then still add up all the other years, it's it's actually not a big difference. Yes, it's a difference, but it's not something that turns this from a great investment to a terrible investment. It might, yeah. oh, you know, I was factoring a 10% total annual return. Now I'm going to get an 8.9% or 9.4%, probably more likely. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you've, got to put, you've got to put those things in context. It's a question of, it's a difference between price and value. We have these really... Yeah, right. Two opposing ideas that investors hold in their head is that the market is always right, <laughs> and yet right. I'm smart enough that I know that when something's cheap, and then right. I'll buy it. That's and, so and, true. You that know, is it, so true. It can't both be true. Price yes. is what you yes. pay. Value is yes. what is what you get. Yep. Right. And so you can't beat the market if the market's always right because the market's always right by definition. Yes. So if you have that view, you might as well buy an ETF and go fishing. Yep. Uh, the, the second you choose to buy stocks, you are you are acknowledging that in at least one case, yes. or maybe twenty, or maybe fifty, or, or whatever, the market is either temporarily or permanently occasionally or often wrong and so you're going to make that decision absolutely uh, the news readers drive me nuts on, you know they'll say especially on a big day right so it'll be <laughs> yeah. three three percent off on the market and they'll say yep. uh 30 billion dollars was wiped off the australian share market today and it's like <laughs> no one ever says well by the way when the market goes up two percent no one ever says 30 billion dollars was added to the market today correct, like correct. so it's 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 a nonsense and yeah. the other thing is no it's not that what is let's let's be clear in our definitions what has happened yeah. is that the preparedness the the price that that people were prepared to pay has changed yes 
as a purist, I would say actually the value hasn't changed much at all. <laughs> you know, um, so, and there's, right, exactly, exactly. there's the difference, right? So yes, you've, you've yes. got to have that. The yeah. other thing I would say, I know I'm going to do a long, long wind up here. No, I'm at Just back, back to your question. The other thing I, I, w- I would allude to is that whenever you put some money into the share market and mm. then it falls, there is always regret with that. Yeah. There always is, <laughs> yes. you know, let's, let's be right. Like, I'd waited, yeah, yeah. You know, we would have, could have, should have, you know, yeah. and if you're me, every time you touch something, it, it you know, it's going to drop the next day. Um, but that regret pales into insignificance to the regret I have, for example, last year <laughs> when I, I was buying stuff when the market was falling, but did I buy as much as I could have, as yeah. much as I should have? Yeah. That regret is yeah. is something yeah. that lasts. That's all that hurts, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, because if yeah, you yeah, if you yeah. mistime it on the way in, okay, that hurts yeah. for a little bit, but over time, if you if you've bought a sensible company at a sensible uh-huh. price, you, uh-huh. you won't you won't care. But but when I look back, when I look back to two thousand and eight, for example, yeah. um, my regret, same regret. When I look back to 1999, uh, 2000, but that same regret. When I look, yeah. when I look, all of the, the the big regrets come in in not taking that swing hard enough, mm-hmm. um, and 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 that's I guess that that's what I would say. I've, so I've got no idea, mate, to what the market is going to do. Yeah. But I would say that if you find yourself in a situation where there are some really great companies at some really great prices. Take a take a take a big fat swing because you will you will re- mm. you will regret mm. it immensely five five years down the track if you don't take that opportunity even if it continues to fall in the short term if you've mm. if you've bought it at a at a stonking bargain by definition you're going to get a great return. I think that I think that's the I so I agree. I'm going to actually add though with a slight not to disagree just to add to that. I don't think you need to necessarily buy the stonking bargain to get a great return. I guess my you know your point about you know buying something goes down a bit then goes back up. We know the compound returns of the market, right? Like the the idea of waiting longer just in case. The market mm. goes up more than it goes down. It goes up further than it goes down, and it goes up over time. So every time you say I'm going to wait a bit, you are you are literally it's not exactly tempting fate, but you are trying to hold back the tide to some degree. You know, mm. yeah. I'm going to be the one who's smart enough to say it's it, it's next level now. I'm going to buy when it goes down to Y before it goes to two X, three X, and four X. And like that's, you know, like to your point, if you just buy anyway, when you go from X to two to three to four X, you get a full bag return. If it halves in the meantime, well, yeah, okay. It might've been nice to get it cheaper, but if yep. you don't buy, and that was the, you know, I, I will absolutely say that during the during the, the COVID recession, I was screaming at people on email on this podcast and elsewhere to say, buy or for God's sake, at least don't sell because yep. this will come back. I don't know how fast. I don't know when it will come back. It always has. If this is the first time in history, we never regain a previous high, then... Fair enough. Tyrant well, can I just just quickly add to oh, that? Yeah. If if it doesn't happen, um, mm, think mm. that through. That that probably means <laughs> it's Mad Max time. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly, like right. we're on Fury Road. Yes. Grab grab the machete. Stick to the shadows. Avoid the ho- roaming hordes of, yes, of cannibals yes. because it that, it is a reflection on society. And so, if, capitalism would cease to exist in any meaningful way. Yeah, yeah. Other other than in sticks and stones, as you say, Mad Mad Max guns and baked beans style. Yeah. Right. It's just and so. When, when, when people say, oh, I'm going to wait for this, I'm going to wait for that. I'm like, well, you can and maybe you're right. But man, just holding on and maybe adding more, as you said, and, and I, I did the same. I kept buying. Just just adding more because, the, you know, it, it was just, it, it's one of those things where, and this is, you know, Warren Buffett talks about the fact you don't need to be a genius in investing. If you've got an IQ of 130, just t- sell 20 IQ points. Just sell it. Like, you know, give, give away, sell them, do whatever. Mm. You don't need to be smarter. And in fact, I, I am pretty sure, I've made this point before, mate. I think, intel- I think super intelligence is actually a handbrake. In investing rather than it does it doesn't help to me, mate. <laughs> but I've never had to worry about it, so it's okay. <laughs> but boom. <laughs> but it's like it's one of those things where you think, well, like if you just do the simple things well, like it's just yeah. there. There are no. I read the other day. There's no. There's no degree of difficulty. There's no extra points for degree of difficulty. Think yep. about the Olympics, right? Yep. If, you, if you do the double twist with the triple pike and quadruple somersault, and you know, land on a land on a pinky finger, you might get some extra points. Mm. In investing, the money's the money's the money, right? Whether you whether you are trying to you know um, trawl through stuff to find the ultimate whatever, or you just simply buy the market and keep going. You don't get offered any extra thing for degree of difficulty, right? Wow, that was a really cool investment. I'm glad yeah. you thought of. It. I'm going to give you twice as much money. No, no, no. Yeah. You, just get, you get the same share price as everybody else. As I just think, for you know, for me, it's it's that story. I'll, I'll have my thoughts really quickly. I I think in terms of the current market, I I don't. So the other thing is, by the way, people who said I'll wait till COVID's over before I invest because that's when I know I can invest again. Mm, mm. The market went up before COVID was even though the vaccine was announced. Yeah let alone announced and implemented and borders open and everything else, like if you're waiting for the good news, it's still coming. 
if you're waiting for a COVID-free world, mm. like you know, you're still waiting to get the markets rebound. Or, or market. even when it does, even when it does come, it'll be replaced by something else. <laughs> exactly. Like it, it will, it guarantees. Yeah. yeah, it will. So you know, my, my point is that the the market and the economy and the society are three entirely separate things. Yeah. In the short term, they will go the same direction eventually, as you said. If we, unless we end up in Mad Max, hopefully the economy improves, we get wealthier. Hopefully things improve every across the board. And the stock market goes up. It's kind of what has happened. It tends to, you know, not, not in a straight line. <coughs> Excuse me, not at the same pace, but they go up over time together. Um, and so I just think, you know, if you're waiting for the good news, taking your stock market cues from the economy is just a stupid idea. Yeah. And, and you know, people like Morgan Housel, I mentioned him before, ex monthly full employee, one of the world's best financial writers, has made the point re- repeatedly that there's very little correlation between GDP and, and, the, and the market, for example. Yeah. Yep. And so trying to be clever and say, I'm going to do it when X happens, completely ignores the fact the market doesn't use that same methodology, right? Yeah. If you're doing something different to the rest of the market because you're and then you want to benefit when you predict the market correctly, you better work out how the market works because it doesn't work the way you want it to or the way you think it does in, in most parts. Two, two quick points. Two quick <coughs> yeah, points. Please, please, I'll, please. I'll add to that. There's, there's, I would argue, even if you're doing something really, really quote unquote clever, and let's yeah. say at, at, at the end of the day when all the dust settles, 10 years from now, you've gotten a 15% compound annual return. And someone's gotten a 12% compound annual return by doing nothing, by just buying mm-hmm. ETFs. Now, obviously, power of compounding, et cetera, et cetera, that, that, that first person is, is far better off. Mm-hmm. Well, better off. Mm-hmm. But you, you have to factor in the work involved and the stress mm-hmm. involved. If, if someone mm-hmm. has spent 40 hours a week achieving that and the other person mm-hmm. has spent their time doing a job that they enjoy or whatever, like on a per hour basis, <laughs> you, you, per unit of work, yeah. who yeah, is better right. off? So that, that's the first thing. The other thing I'll say just as a closing thought yeah. is that the trouble with the message that you and I are sort of saying here is that it sounds neglectful <laughs> yeah. like I can yeah. I, I remember I remember hearing other I remember other, when I was starting out on my investing journey I'd, I'd hear you know um, other people talking about this sort of approach and you just think that's just reckless you wait you idiot you're telling yeah. me I'm I'm watching the news I'm seeing all this mm. happen I'm mm-hmm. seeing you know quote unquote tens of billions of dollars wiped off the market every day yeah. and you're saying don't worry about it in fact you're <laughs> saying right. to buy more it sounds stupid yeah. now yeah. contrast this and I was watching, I'm not going to name names because it's, it's not a nice thing to do, but some very yeah. well-known financial pundit out there saying, yep. what you need to do is you have, to, you have very tight stop-loss orders. And I suggest <laughs> you need to rotate out of your cyclical stocks and yep. you want to get into your defensive stocks. And you want yep. and, it, and it, it's super, it sounds super smart and it feels like you're taking action, you're doing mm-hmm. something, right? Like, mm-hmm. God, when, when Rome is burning, you don't just sit there and suck a lollipop, <laughs> right. right? You get a bucket of water, do That's something. Right. For the That's love right. of God, do something. Yeah. Um, and and, yeah. and it, it's, so it so sounds true, smart. Right? It sounds smart and it feels like mm-hmm. you're, you're, you've got some degree of control. Whereas these other knuckleheads on some stupid <laughs> pod, podcast, are like, oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. And so so the message, <laughs> the message is a very, very, very oh, hard yeah. one to get totally. across. Very hard. But all I can say is, Pause, think about mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. it's like Charlie Munger says, you know, you're smart, I'm right, you'll figure it out. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we'll finish on that. Mate, um, let's let's move on because the other, th- I, I mean, speaking about the economy as we just were, speaking at the market, um, and speaking about the, the, the concept or the, p- the possibility of recession, hard to ignore, as I said, the, the PM making the point almost unasked. That there won't be a recession, don't worry. It's like, well, hang on, I wasn't worried about it, now I am. Uh, retail sales. <laughs> for last month fell 1.8%, which is, mm-hmm. again, not massive. Mm. Um, but we also know that recession is not just a decline in the market of 85%, decline of 0.3% or 0.1% for mm. two straight months. Um, when retail sales fall, they are, to some degree, the end product of the economy, not the economy itself, but the end mm-hmm. product of the economy. There are some concerns that the current month we're in because lockdowns are getting worse, because we're... Um, more of us are confined to our homes. Uh, I, I'm fortunate to be outside Greater Sydney just, so I'm not, but um, I know many people, most of our listeners, I would assume would be in one form or another. Um, I'm in a hotspot, dude. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's, one of those, it's one of those things. I, I, I think it's like, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know it's how we might get out of this one. The other thing I guess I've got some concern over economically, and again, we can separate that from the, from the market, but last year's kind of retail was, was, <laughs> was kind of supported by us going, oh, Online, that's a new thing. I'll go and do that. We bought a whole lot of TVs and couches and computer desks and standing desks and um, throw pillows and Ugg boots, as you said before, last year to kind of, you know, we kind of retooled our lives and our homes uh, for the new world. 
that's not that, that pent up demand's kind of gone, right? I, we mm. can't rely on that. We can't allow for that. Expect that to to help us anymore. Um, and I, I guess I'm I, I'm not. Am I worried? No. Am I mindful slash you know <laughs> keeping an eye on things? Yeah, because that kind of coiled spring we got to call on once of hey re- re- redecorate your house go to Nick Scarly go to you mentioned Koga before so I, I can do it Koga drink uh, drink um, you know go, go to JB Hi-Fi go to you know wherever you're going to go you know um, f- fill your house with all the cool stuff mm. I don't know mate like I'm talking to you and looking at a, a brand new computer monitor um, I bought a brand new computer I worked it anyway for me uh, last year not, not because of COVID but just happened it was at that time if I look around there's not much I'm going to replace in the next three months right I don't know about yeah. you but um, we don't have that kind of coiled spring that the, the backyard projects that we've things benefited from my, my chicken coops built I did that last year maybe I could do something else this year I'm not sure but um, yeah I, I guess I'm just a little bit mindful and, and my, my biggest uh, part lesson part observation I'll get you to respond um, confidence is all that matters in the economy right mm-hmm. moving forward nothing else matters the historical numbers don't matter at all mm-hmm. all that matters is how good do I feel because if I've got my wallet in front of me and I feel like the future is bright I'm going to go spend because I'm not worried about the pay packet after this one. Mm. If I, if I though think, oh, you know what, this investing thing is getting a bit tough and I'm not sure the boss wants as many people in the business anymore and honey, look, I know you want the new couch, but gee, you know, maybe we should just save a couple of months savings just in case, which mm. is actually what happened last year anyway, but it was helped by JobKeeper, JobSeeker. If I'm not confident, I don't spend. Mm. If businesses aren't confident, they don't hire. They don't buy capital goods. They don't stock up on inventory. And if, they're not, if we're not confident as a group, guess what? We all stop that creates the very conditions we're worried about because if I don't spend and you don't spend, well, the cafe goes broke, mm. Officeworks doesn't make any sales, Bunnies doesn't make any sales, so they lay people off, so those people don't make any, you know, so it's the virtuous cycles of growth become vicious cycles of decline really fast. Yeah. that's the, I think that's the thing I'm most concerned about. The other example um, I, I always think of is the shaver shop because um, yeah. that, that was a real unexpected, <laughs> well, for me it was anyway, because um, they had incredible results because... What can't you do in lockdown? You can't cut your hair. <laughs> so, yeah. so everyone in the country bought a pair of clippers. And hey, hey, hey. Not, not, every, not everyone. Some of us don't have, uh, some, some don't have hair, mate. I, thank you for bringing that up. I really appreciate it. Could have been uh, eyebrow trimmers, nose hair trimmers. Mate, I, probably, I probably need one just quietly. Let's, let, let's just say our listeners are probably, probably lucky this is an audio podcast rather than a video. Break out the whippersnipper. Hey. Well, <laughs> exactly, mate. Um, John Howard style. It's a hideout. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, but I, I think you're right. I, I think mm-hmm. that is that is something that we only kind of get to do once. I don't, yeah. now that I'm, I'm geared up to work from home, if I'm fortunate <laughs> enough to be in that situation, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to do that again. So, yeah, I, look, I would not be surprised at all if we have a recession. The, the, mm. um, I agree with your point. There's recessions and then there's recessions. Right. So, you know, they're, they're very short, shallow ones and they're very mm-hmm. long, deep ones. And so... Mm. Who knows? I, I suspect probably closer to to the former. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. And also, yeah. I, I guess what do, what do I end up doing about it? Same yeah. same same kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the other thing too, which is a real X factor in all of this, yeah. is yeah. that we can sort of say what this, this trips up very smart, very well credentialed people all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. But it's people. People so sort and of I? think forward, smarter than you and I, <laughs> who, who think forward and they go, uh, if this continues to happen, then X, Y, and Z will follow. Yeah. And their, their reasoning is watertight. Yes, yes, yes. But what they don't factor in is that yeah. the government comes out and goes, actually, we're going to give everyone in the country 10 grand. <laughs> right. You go, whoa, well, I didn't, yeah. oh, I didn't, okay. Yeah. Well, if that didn't yeah. happen, it would, this would, you know. So that, that's, that's the real tough thing here. And so, oh, so even if things do start to fall off a cliff, I would imagine, and now that if there's one thing that, the government has learned is that if you give everyone some money that people aren't going to be that worried about the budget deficit <laughs> and the national debt if they're on, yeah, on the bread line yeah, and you've exactly. just decided to give them some cash and I, I feel exactly. as though they feel as though they've got a bit of a, a license to do that again if needed yeah. so yeah, so I think yeah. I think that and, and, and I actually think that's that's totally appropriate that's a that's a probably a, a, an important role of government during times of crisis mm-hmm. to do exactly that yes exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah but I, I would throw that in because that that is that is that that in, in the absence of that yes very different story but with that it, that's what makes it hard I, I will I will name check everyone's favourite housing bear Steve Keen who uh, in defence of his famously lost bet to Rory Robertson said well I would have been right if the government hadn't done anything yeah like, yeah that's 
that's the point, right? And, yeah. I, and I'm not, I'm not. I actually quite like Steve. I don't agree with him, but I like him. Mm. He's a, he's a, he's a reasonable guy and trying to do the right thing. And he's absolutely convicted in his views. Yeah. Uh, but when the response is, "Well, I would have been right, except the government," it's like, "Well, that's what the, you know, a central banker might have been." That's what they're. That's exactly what they're there for, Steve. That's, Mate, that's I would have won. I would have won the lottery if I picked different <laughs> numbers. <laughs> if only, if only they'd drawn the numbers. I, I exactly. I would have been yeah. right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, there is. I think that's a really good point, man. I think. Well, actually, so I don't want to be political, but I will make an observation. Um, I'm clearly not the treasurer or the PM, and there are smarter people to do that than me. But I'm a little bit worried this time around, mate, because JobKeeper and JobSeeker were. So I to, this is um, this is partly a stolen idea. I listened to George Megalogenis, the the journal and commentator who was on Richard Feidler's Conversations podcast, which is the second best podcast in the country behind ours. Very good. And um, yeah. and and he was basically saying, you know, the first stimulus was like no one bought it. Second stimulus, no one bought it. Third stimulus was JobKeeper, JobSeeker, like just cash from a fire hose, and went, oh. Oh, okay, we're okay then. Yeah, yeah. And that was yeah. the point at which confidence returned, retail sales returned, hiring returned because we knew we were being backstopped by the government. Mm. This time around, mate, there's, there's, I'm going to say a dozen different ways that we can get some money from the government depending on our circumstances. Mm. And it's by application, paid in arrears, uh, is it Service Australia, whatever they call the bloody thing these days, it was the CES back in my day, whatever they, whatever they call mm. Centrelink or whatever these days. And it's kind of like, even if the money's the same, the vibe, the vibe, speaking of Dennis Denude on the castle, mm-hmm. isn't quite, it, it, I don't think the public vibe, the public sense is they've got our back this time. It's like, mm. even, even if the numbers added up to the same amount of money, which they don't, but if they did, I'm just not convinced it's one of those kind of big hit, confidence boosting, we got you back. It's like, well, if you're a business and you've lost this much money, it's over here. And if you're out of work and you've lost more than this number of hours and you're in Victoria, it's this. If you're in regional Victoria, well, that's the, that's the state government and you might get why. And I just, I don't know, mate. I, given that, as you say, it's not just the money they spend, but the, the, again, that confidence factor that they've got our back. I'm a bit worried that the governments around the country, federal and state, don't seem to have quite got the same thing going on. That, that does worry me a little bit, confidence-wise. Yeah, gosh, mate, it's hard to... Uh, you, you're dragging me in a direction here that I need to be mindful I'm not, of. I'm not trying, not trying to be political at all. It's yeah. not, about, not about ScoMo or Frydenberg or the state... If state treasurers or, or, or premiers of either Victoria or Tasmania mm-hmm. are on different sides of the argument here, and I, I'm just I'm purely policy-wise, if it was up to me, if you if you made me treasurer tomorrow of whichever party, whichever country, I would say, guys, the only thing we need to do is make it blanket, keep it simple, and reassure people so they know they're being looked after. That's that's the, that'd be the mess. The only message I'd want to send is, here's some money, it'll be fine. Yep. Make it simple, make it easy, and as long as this lasts, we'll come out of this well. And if you if people believe that, it has to be true, obviously, but if people believe it then we're okay. Yeah, yes. In, in fact, it, it needs to be simple. I, I, I actually say to be a more efficient use of funds to make it more simple because you yes, get rid of so much bureaucracy and administration. <laughs> I mean, some of the forms, yeah, you just like, yeah. come on. I know, that's what, what, is, yes. what is the point? The point exactly. here is to get people confident, as you say, confidence, exactly. confidence, confidence, to make sure that they're okay. And you know what? I think it's because it's it's an ideology kind of thing. A, a lot of particularly, you know, the current government would, would probably say, well, but we, we don't want to give people money who don't deserve it. And I think- yeah. Whenever you're looking at sort of whether you want to call it welfare or stimulus or whatever over yeah. very very you know over over an entire country, this mm. is always going to be some people who probably get a bit extra than that they that they deserve, and there's yeah, probably going to be some that get a bit less. It's it's never going to be perfect, mm. um, but in trying to sort of address that specifically, you just bury things under a mountain of bureaucracy and make it far less efficient. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so that's yeah. my, that, that's my view on that. But what I would say is, while I think you're right, I think mm. that they are very very political creatures, yeah. and that if there is any vibe that actually you know it's not doing the job they'll just they'll just they'll change it and and scamo will come out and make an announcement saying okay right we're going to give yeah. you more if it gets if it gets bad enough i'm sure if it look yeah. if it's a choice between if he feels as though there's any sense that if he doesn't do something he's going to lose the election he'll <laughs> he will do something <laughs> bet your left which arm. is probably yeah which is probably positive and, and, maybe, and maybe that's maybe that you know maybe that's all that matters actually in the end is you know if self if self-interest is enough to keep the economy on track, well, I guess we'll take it, right? And that'll, yeah. that'll probably do. Um, I think you're right about the... Uh, by the way, this is, I'm not going to go on this tangent any further unless you particularly want to, but um, I have said in the past, last lockdown would have been a great time to trial a universal basic income, and I'm not yeah. entirely sure this wouldn't be a great time yeah. to yeah. trial it. Not, not to implement it, not to say it's definitely going to work. Um, you know, I've said this on Twitter before, and people say, oh, well, we're not going to work because X, Y, Z. It's like, it might not work. That's fine. Yeah. That's the point. Like, it's a trial. I'm not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying commit to it forever. I'm saying let's trial it while we have to 
Get everyone's bank account details. Give them X dollars a week. Take it out of their pay. Change the tax scales. It doesn't mm. have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be extra bonus for everybody. It's like, you know what? You get rid of all of the welfare payments structure entirely because you just everyone gets the same amount of money. It just, mm. it just, I don't know, mate. I don't really get. Anyway, if you want to go into it, feel free. But um, to your point about making it simple, easy, and make sure everyone knows they're getting money. If we knew we we're going to have, I don't know what the number is, 250, 250 bucks a week drop in the bank account, mm. at least you know that's there. So you yeah. go, okay, well, if worse comes to worse, honey, we can meet the rent or we can yeah. pay half the rent or, or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever the numbers end up being. Mm. And again, I don't know what it should be. I haven't, haven't got a strong view on the worked through version of this, but imagine the friction of like, okay, if I lose my job, it's not going to be a big deal. I'm not going to get thrown out of my rental or property. <laughs> Landlords would love it, right? Because you're not going to get thrown out of your rental property because you can't make your, your rent payments this week. Mm. Um, people don't have to worry about going hungry. I just, just as a trial, as purely as a trial, even if it doesn't, it may not work, right? I'm, I'm not convinced it'll work. But gee, if there's not an opportunity to try it, something like now with it, for exactly that reason, as you say, I don't know, I'd, I'd give it a go. We should, we should do it as a separate uh, right, podcast because a UBI, <laughs> a UBI is such a, it's such a massive idea, uh-huh, and it's an uh-huh. it's an idea that when it first hits you, you go that is stupid, mm-hmm. and then you go well, maybe not as mm. stupid as I first thought. So, it, but uh, yeah, 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 that that is. Um, don't draw me down that rabbit hole. But um, okay. yes, I agree. It's a good. It would be a good opportunity to trial some form of that. <laughs> <laughs> Value stocks, stock market, stock market, index, share market. This is Motley Fool Money. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. I guess we can't not talk about this one. This is this is the Crown News. Oh, God. I, so, I look, we, we've talked about this before because it's, it's kind of a rolling problem, right? There's been inquiries in New South Wales, then in WA, and then in Victoria. I've got to say... It is so. So let, let's let me get the let me get the, um, the the kind of slightly political, slightly whatever out of the way first. No, again, not political about the individual company, but it's it's interesting to me that New so- that, that WA and Victoria had no issues with Crown until New South Wales found some. And this is not about New South Wales being better than anyone else, by the way. It could have been the other way around, jurisdiction wise. But it's funny how like everyone's like, no, Crown are great, Crown are great, Crown are great. Oh, New South Wales have found something. Oh, we better have an inquiry then. Mm. And you kind of think, where where were you? Go- why is it, why is it that no one else realised until one person says? Um, can we look at this? Everyone else was prepared just to let that go. Would there have been a, an inquiry in two other states if one state hadn't gone first? I doubt it, uh, which, which is its own kind of interesting conversation. I'm also, it's also hard not to think about uh, James Packer as a, as a billionaire backer and majority, majority owner, but largest single shareholder in, in Crown, having once been a media baron and no longer being a media baron, his, his influence, uh, political or otherwise, is possibly waning arguably mm. and now there's an inquiry in the crown kind of tempting not to look at that and then the kind of broad idea of as you uh, you know the whole area of like what does it take to own it to hold a casino license and frankly <laughs> i'll say out loud did people not think this was happening anyway it just i don't know mate the whole uh, what else do we expect a casino operator to do i don't know what is it i'm not saying they should get away with it but i, I, I do kind of wonder what people thought was going on Oh, guys, this is another huge. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm I'll trying to investing angle in a second, but let's let's do this bit first. I'm just, I'm trying, I'm sitting here thinking, what do I say without feeling as though I'm, I'm going to be uh, <laughs> sued, <laughs> biased, or like, biased? Okay, I was there, there, there were, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there was, there was a great Four Corners not long ago about Crown. Uh, they've done a, right. a, some good series on it, and um, it's, it's a, it's a case of regulatory capture. It's a case of um, governments being yeah. state governments being becoming very dependent on the revenues that they generate. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. He whose bread I eat, his song, his I, song sing, I sing, yep. is one Absolutely. of my favorite right. quotes. You know, it's, great, and it's, it's, it's all about incentives, and yep. you know, they, they they get they they get announced with such big fanfare. Oh, we're going to build a casino. Mm-hmm. It's going to create mm-hmm. all of these jobs in building it and running, and it's going to bring all this money into. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to I'm going to you know legalize heroin and yeah. I'm going to get all these people to make these factories and then we're going to pump it out and heaps of people are going to buy it and it's going to be great for the economy too mm-hmm. um, but you know there are other there are other factors at play so I, I think mm-hmm. the whole thing stinks I think you know I don't know why we really need one <laughs> full stop the fact that mm-hmm. we have one I think it's been administered ext- and this is what's been revealed right it, it, yeah. very very yeah. poorly I don't know how you, you avoid it um, I wouldn't go near it with a barge pole just just for ethical reasons, but also just because okay. of hard-nosed um, rational economic reasons as well. The, the yeah. regulatory risks there are, are, in, are insane. Um, but I don't know, mate. I, 
pass. <laughs> let me, <laughs> let me, let me, so this is, this is the investing angle I wanted to get to because I wanted to pick up both of your points. I'm going to be devil's advocate for the fun of it. You mentioned ethical reasons in the first instance. Um, I'm going to bring out the usual standby trope of Altria, the, the business was called Philip Morris Cigarette Maker that was the best performing stock in the US over 50 years. Mm. Um, and if I didn't own it, you owned it. If you don't own it, someone else owned it. Um, should investors really be worried about the ethical impact of owning a stock that doesn't do anything differently whether you own it or not? I mean, there's no... Someone's going to earn the profit and it's not you, it's me. And why should it matter to me or to you or to somebody else whether or not... I own it, whether you own it, whether someone else owns it, if Philip Morris or Crown or, uh, I know, pick your, pick your company, is going to make some sort of, you know, um, reef bleaching uh, monster, is going is to make money and going to do it anyway, mm. why does it matter who owns it? Um, it doesn't at an individual level. So if I decide that I've got some ob- objection against uh, Kogan, <laughs> drink, drink, for example, um, and I take a hard nose sort of Why stance. do you have to bring Kogan into Android? I'm sick of you mentioning bloody Kogan. Um, you know, it's not going to make any difference whatsoever, <laughs> but it actually does make a difference if enough of us think it. So this is this is the whole new sort of, uh, the new hotness in, in financial markets is ESG at the moment. Everyone's talking oh. about ethical, social and governance kind of yep. considerations. Yeah. And it's actually getting to the point where because it is becoming such a thing, that it's actually impacting share prices, which impacts, uh, not to get too technical, it impacts the cost of capital. So when you've got a very low share price and you need to raise money from your shareholders, it's much more expensive than it would be if your shares were twice as high. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it actually does absolutely have an impact at a, at a, at a certain level. And I can think- I, Can I take an absolute objection with that? Sure. I think that's always been the, uh, the uh, that's always been the rationale that's been advanced. But again, if you look at Altria, which was cheap 50 years because everyone hated it, they made a squillion dollars and the cost of capital didn't matter and the investing returns were spectacular. And yes, it impacted the price at one point, but the long-term success of the business was far, 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 far more impactful than I, 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 and at once uh, or even a steadily declining PE. Yeah, so you've yeah. got this situation where I, I think that's I think you're, that, that's the academic answer. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with the academics of it. I think in the real world, mate, I, I don't know that a Whitehaven Coal or a Crown or an Altria or anybody else has actually been impacted in any way like what is expected from that from that perspective. Uh, this there's is, no obvious yeah. there's no obvious impact that I can see that goes past the academic. Okay, let's let's get a little bit more technical. So it, okay. it, the, the case of Altria and the cigarette makers, it didn't impact them. So what happened right. was their multiples went low as a result and they stayed low for ages. Yep. Yes, they never yes. they've never recovered. Correct. Yeah. Um, why did that not impact returns? Well, because they were they, they were if very the the of the capital structure and the way that they were managed, they, they mm. were just gushing cash. Mm. So they didn't need to rely on external funding. So what it meant for them was they just they just um, they just kept taking the money that they were making. Yeah. Um, they kept buying back shares at very discounted rates. They kept on issuing dividends. So it kind of if you're a private company that's not on the market and that you're yeah. and you're self sustaining, it actually doesn't matter. It only matters mm. if ever you decide you want to sell the business. But excluding Correct. that, Correct. It, it doesn't matter. Let's look at Whitehaven Coal. Let's look at Woodside Petroleum. These companies mm-hmm. can't do that because mm-hmm. when you decide to build an LNG terminal for twenty gazillion dollars off the coast of <laughs> WA or Queensland, yeah. you have to raise money. You have to borrow it from the debt markets. Or you have to borrow it from the equity markets. So right. th- I would argue that that's that is the difference in, in this regard. Now maybe Crown is the same kind of basket as the cigarette companies, where if they were well managed, that uh, you know, and they weren't they were management and the board were smart enough to not Mm. go for growth Mm. but just to go you know so they didn't have to borrow Mm. money to build new casinos and the rest of it yeah you're probably right it probably won't make a difference I'd wager though that their ambition would be to build a lot more casinos and to expand and that they will need capital and therefore it will have an impact but yeah it's it's something that that we can get into the weeds of it It, it, for me it's a sort of like I I love the I think it's a fascinating conversation but it's just for me it's it's not it's not trying to Evangelic, uh, like being evangelical evangelize. about. Yes. Thank you, evangelize yep. about it. It's it's just to basically say it's not for me, and I don't I don't want anything to do with. It. I think it's that cycle. It's that it's that thing that impacts our psychology as well. Mm-hmm. So when I've got mm-hmm. in, when I'm invested in this, I want it to go well. You know, yes. it, yeah. when, I, when when it comes to the next election, am I going to vote for the person who's going to who's who's, who's mm-hmm. um, uh, standing on a platform of we're going to close down the casinos, or the person who said yeah. we're going to give them more help? No, I'm, yeah, sure. I'm again. I'm just going to be biased on that regard. Yeah, yeah. So I just I remove myself from that incentive. I don't. I don't want to be a part of it. Now let me ask you the second question, mate. Because you also mentioned regulatory risk, and you kind of said, "Look, I'm not going to so much regulatory. I'm not going near this stock." Mm. I 
is there an argument to say I'll make this argument as devil's advocate you can tell me what you think that this is that's a bit of a Monday morning quarterback kind of conversation people weren't saying three years ago four years ago however long it was pre the four corner stuff oh this is obviously crap there's obviously regulatory concern um, you know or, or more importantly I guess if I think forward if we go from 2020 to 2025 there's going to be some business at 2025 that you and I are going to sit there and say oh I wouldn't touch for all the regulatory concerns I wonder if we're thinking that now. I, I wonder if we go back to 2017, just to pick some numbers, mm. um, whether we would have said at that point, I'm not going near casinos. For example, you know, are we avoiding staff for regulatory reasons? Possibly not. It's just about Crown because it feels like... Uh, the, reason I, the reason I say this, I guess, is, is partly are we Monday morning quarterbacking? But on the flip side of that, if these, aren't, if these are transitory issues, maybe Crown's actually cheap right now rather than the reverse because all that information is known that might be the perfect time to say, well, Star's kind of getting on with it without it. Sky City, another casino business, getting on without it. Mm. At some point, unless unless this kills the business, mm. those regulatory concerns are actually known and arguably priced in. This might be the very time to buy rather than rather than avoid the stock. Yeah, no, it's a very valid point. I mean, it comes down to it comes down to accounting for that as a risk. So you, you yeah. can have known That's risks, but you can have a, a, a share price that, that assumes everything's going to be brilliant forever. Or you can have a share price arguably at the moment mm. where it's sort of like, oh, it's overly, yes, there's some bad things, but it's sort of factored in and then some. Yeah. So, so yes, I think, I think, I think you can make that argument, but it's also, I think about knowing who, you know, know thyself. Um, yeah, two right. very important words when it comes to investing. <laughs> and it's taken me a long time to work out as the style of investor that I am. I think it takes all of us a while to work out who you are yeah. and it's got yeah. to resonate with the things that, that, that you're interested in, I suppose, but also your temperament and your style. And I'm, I am very much. This is, I'm, you know, each to their own. I'm not trying yeah, to, totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tell other people what to do. But for, for me, I want, I want um, businesses that have very strong growth pro- prospects and um, have as, as minimal external yeah, risks as yeah. possible. So management might stuff it up, absolutely. But I don't, <laughs> I don't want businesses where there's people yeah, yeah, outside yeah, of the business yeah, that can yeah. stuff it up for you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, and and. So maybe I don't think a lot of people were talking about it, but it's it's something that I, I it's always been in my mind. I think it's yeah. I think it's something that's in my mind when it comes to the energy and resources space, mm. particularly mm. with ESG, particularly with carbon pricing, which is being yeah. foisted upon us by international players and our customers. Whether or not we're doing anything about it, mm. um, it's a factor. It's and right. so maybe maybe in four years' time, when you know company X is going into all kinds mm. of trouble because mm. of this, mm. people will say, "Oh, but where are we talking about it?" Then <laughs> I think as an investor, what yeah. you do is before you buy anything is you obviously you're buying it because you like it i actually take a lot of time to go right i'm going to put the other hat on and say Mm -hmm. what are all the reasons not to buy it now they might not come to pass and i might still end up buying it but man you want to think about that very seriously and i would argue that if you are in a position of where you're thinking of of buying uh crown i would i would argue that you know think about whether or not this is as bad as it gets It, it may it might on a balance of probabilities be as bad as it gets but but just factor in the, the the situation that maybe maybe it's not, and are you comfortable with that, and are you accounting for that in your price? Nice, mate. So I'm gonna I'm gonna push this one question further. And we'll move on because this I think it's a really, you know, we talk about Crown. Most of our listeners probably don't own Crown. Maybe they're never going to own Crown. But the conversation, the the stuff that comes out of, I think is 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 particularly useful. Um, the the risk stuff you talk about. This is always fascinating to me because. I'm going, to, I'm going to mangle this quote, maybe. Howard Marks, who you're a big fan of, mm. uh, wrote The Most Important Thing, a whole lot of other good stuff. Yep. Say, it's something like, doesn't he say, is, is the, the quote something like, risk is um, the reality that all the things that could go wrong won't go wrong or something like that. There was, there's something kind of, more, more could go wrong than will go wrong or something yeah. like that. I can't remember yeah. how, he, how he defines it. There's, there's different types of risk and different amounts of risk in every single investment. Yep. And so for Crown, it's regulatory for... Um, I don't know, as you say, for, for coal miners, it's probably the risk of standard assets and, and carbon taxes. Mm. Um, for small, tiny little companies, it's, it's often just the risk that the cash runs out before the business hits escape velocity, right? Um, the, the, you're, you run out of cash before you turn cash flow positive and you simply just don't quite get there in time or your bigger competitors crush you by uh, competing or innovating or copying or something else. Mm. Um, there are so many different levels of risk and types of risk. And if you avoided every company because of the risks, then you pr- you couldn't invest in anything almost by definition. Mm. Um, again, I'll quote Morgan Housel for a second time in the episode. He often says that um, sometimes the biggest risk is not taking enough risk, yes. which is being in cash at a quarter of a percent rather than you know, especially at, if at you're the stock 25. market. Which, yeah, it, right, exactly. Which which will Huge average ten percent, even if some years are minus twenty and some are minus so a plus twenty. The average will be about ten over time. Um, so so I guess 
I, I want to ask you about risk. The how do you, how do you think about risk? You're, you're kind of saying, well, look, I won't take. And this is not a criticism at all. You know, you're not kind of keen on taking regulatory risk. You're not kind of keen on the ESG and kind of you know carbon tax risk. Yet I know you're a you're a small cap guy who, frankly, you know the the the, the average investor would say, mate, you are taking many more risks than I'm taking. I'm only investing in the biggest companies like Crown and Whitehaven Coal. And you're like, dude, that's risky. And he's like, have you seen your portfolio, man? You're the one taking risk. And it's not, again, no one's necessarily right or wrong. And, and that's kind of the point. That's a great question. How do you, yeah. as, as an investor, just to give our listeners a, a bit of insight, if you won't take regulatory risk, but you'll, you'll buy these little tiny tiddler businesses that maybe explode and maybe go to zero and probably somewhere in between. How do you how do you think about risk from your own portfolio's perspective from the stocks you pick? I, I guess I'd start by just a, a small clarification slash correction. I, I'm not saying I you don't invest because of regulatory risk. I'm saying you be aware of the risks and you be oh sorry yes you, you yeah, be comfortable with the risk. So there yeah, there are yeah. there are definitely some um, companies I've got exposure to that have that do have there's there's an element of regulatory risk, but it's about right. a being aware of it and b trying your your best to quantify it and yeah. and just trying to sort of work it through and just saying assuming. I don't know if it will, but I've got a I've got a balance of probabilities there. And if it does, what's what's the kind of likely outcome there? Yeah. So you can't get risk. Risk is is by definition just part of investing. You can't get rid of it. Um, so it's 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 more about just as I say, being aware of it, uh, accounting for what possibilities might happen in the event yep. that it doesn't, and just and 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 distinguishing between the risks that matter and the risks that don't. If I'm a retailer and I have a particularly bad quarter because Australia <laughs> goes into recession and confidence is low, that's a risk. But is that an existential business risk that, that's mm, going to impact mm, me mm. structurally over the long term? Yeah. Um, or am I another retailer that's <laughs> operating a business model that is completely <laughs> redundant? You yeah. know, no names mentioned. Oh, <coughs> Maya. Um, that, you know, might <laughs> just be completely irrelevant in the yeah. future. Now, that, they might have a bad quarter and good quarters as well, but they And they what are, business could possibly beat Meyer at its own game? <laughs> um, I can't think of any, but I'm sure you could probably think of one or two. Uh, it probably starts with a K or something. I don't know. K, K, K. Yeah, no, that's not... That's not. <laughs> but do you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, this, this is the thing. So there's there's risks and then there's risks. And, and just quietly, can I, can I massively tangent here and just say, I, I haven't been able to buy Kogan shares for months because we keep talking about Kogan on the podcast and <laughs> our trading rules restrict me. So as the shares have been really cheap, I'm like, oh, I can't buy it again because I bloody mentioned it on the podcast. <laughs> My own stupid fault. Go on, mate. Risks and then risks. Well, just it's just, yeah. I mean, I've, I've definitely I've definitely got some risks. Obviously, I've got risks in, in the yeah. things that, that I hold, but I'd like to imagine <clears throat> that I've got a good handle on what they are and and also when they when having thought through them in advance, when the when mm-hmm. a company, God forbid, comes out and says, oh, actually this has happened, I don't need to think on my feet and make a, mm-hmm. an emotional snap decision. I've actually thought it through. Yeah. And I've yeah, right. and I've I, you know, I always said that if company XYZ this experience, this is what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, or this is how it would impact the business and therefore impact my valuation. So at least I'm I'm approaching it from a more level headed, premeditated stance. Is what yeah. is what I would say. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely some big risks, and it's also part of how I structure the portfolio. I'm I'm in mm. a space where I know, without a doubt, that you know, if I'm lucky, you know, I'll get six out of ten right. Um, but it's a basket, yeah. right? So when I have yeah. four four speculative small cap stocks that that go to zero, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. oh my god, I never saw that coming. Because like, well, no, it's kind of the plan, <laughs> yeah, that's right. right? Like that's exactly, that's how you exactly. do it because you know exactly. that as, as long as you get a small handful that that ten x yeah. or something, that it, that that's okay. So yeah, that, that's I guess that's the, the short answer. So you're you're looking. So you're. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and define or, or categorize, describe your investing style. You're happy to take. You're, you're happy to have a wider range of outcomes at a business by business level, yep. In the hope that the ones that go well do extraordinarily well, and more actually, well actually make up for the ones that go either entirely broke or close enough to it. So that's yep. Other people are more conservative, saying, "Look, I don't want many losers. I'm happy to make a little bit of money on a lot of stocks. You're happy to make a lot of money on a few stocks, and maybe even lose a lot of money on a few. Mm. But net, net, the, the net result to be to be meaningfully market beating. Is that is that a fair summary? Yeah, it's it's worked out pretty well for me. Um, nice, and well done. and um, it, it's about again, it's about approaching this thing we call the sham. I mean, this the hundred mm, people can mm. approach it in a hundred different ways, but you know, yeah. going in with a game plan, going yeah, in with totally. you know, is is, is hyper important. So yeah, and the good thing is too, I think when you've really thoroughly thought through your investment thesis and well, you don't actually have to wait for something to go down ninety percent before you realise it's busted. <laughs> You know, yeah, right. usually when, right. when I've had some companes that have had some, you did not play out as I thought, they sort of make these announcements and you go, okay, 
I bought it for these reasons. The investment thesis is clearly busted. Yep, yeah. shares are down 30%. That sucks, <laughs> but I'm out. Yeah, and and yeah. it always hurts at the time, but you know what? It feels really great when a few years later you look back <laughs> and you go, oh, it's now down 95%. Thank God yeah. I sold when I did. Yeah, right, um, right, right. You know, the biggest regret I have with my strategy is, 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 is you know, having something go up 300% and then selling it and, and then mm-hmm. seeing 10 years mm-hmm. later that it's now gone up tenfold. So that's, that's yeah, the other part yeah. of that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's how, that's how I, I like to approach it. Yeah, I like it, mate. I like it. Um, I so let, I, I'll I, I'm not quite as growthy as you as an investor. I have to say, so I, I do I do invest for growth more often than not. I'm I'm like I'm I'm a invest, fish with a fish are investor. Um, we've I, I recommended but of all things companies like Ordinate, which I assume you'd be a fan of, or at least conceptually a fan yeah, of. Yeah, great um, stuff. Bringing right. bringing kind of company uh, computer networking to audio visual. I, I won't I won't go into too much more detail, but feel free to. Um, at the same time, we've recommended Nine Entertainment, which is just too cheap to ignore. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for, for share advice, we've we've gone a whole combination of that. Um, in my own portfolio, I've got a, a really expensive business like Australian Ethical, which is sorry, Ethical Investing, mm-hmm. which is yeah, crazy expensive on most um, most you know um, uh, on most analysis, but mm-hmm. on most metrics. Thank you, but. You know, I've also got Berkshire Hathaway and Sol Pats, right? Two of the more boring businesses on the <laughs> on the public markets. So you know, I I, I I'm I'm not, and and you know, it's it's it, horse to courses as you as you rightly say. If you're going to invest, let's say you let's say you want you, let's say you're going to advise some of our listeners who are saying, I just I can't do that, Andrew. I can't I can't take those big swings. I want to invest in kind of the medium large cap space, mm. but. So, so I kind of can't afford to have businesses that go to zero because I'm not going to make enough on the ones that go up. To the extent you can put yourself in their headspace, mate, how would you how would you talk to those people about risk? Even we're on the top. I, I guess again, I'll clarify the, the situation. People always assume that I'm doing super risky stuff because they're small cap stocks. You know, these are these are companies worth hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, they're not they're not Commonwealth Bank. <laughs> yeah, but it's a two hundred million dollar yes, company, yes, right? Yes, and yes. and and just because it's small, I actually have a very strong focus on businesses that that have lots of lots of sales, and their sales nice. are going fast, and the balance sheet is in good shape. And so it's so I would I would argue that although <laughs> the, the industry loves to call that that kind of end of, of town um, speculative, it's very yeah. different from a mining company in WA that's trying to dig a hole that hoping that it strikes gold. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is a business with a product, yeah, yeah, selling yeah. huge amounts of this product, rock yes. solid balance yeah. sheet, yes. good cash Growing. flows, yeah. on, if not profitable, at least very yeah. close to the point of inflection <laughs> where they are going profitable. So I, I guess yeah. I would say they're not as risky as, as they would seem. The other yeah. thing I would say is I get I, I had a little bit of a rant on Ausbiz yesterday. Because um, <laughs> you, <laughs> no. surprise. Um, uh, Woodside Petroleum came up and someone's, right. you know, it was like, oh, it's a blue chip stock. And I was like, stop calling it a blue chip stock. Oh, it's, mate, I it, hate that phrase. It's a blue chip because it's big. You know what? Yep. Anyone who invested in Woodside Petroleum, since 2014, that thing has only been going down. They're yep. earning the same on a per share basis and profit-wise that they were 10 years ago. But it's a blue chip, Andrew. Their dividends have been declined. <laughs> like, the, the, you know, supposedly the biggest, you know, end of town, you know, yep. safest houses kind of stock has been an <laughs> awful right. investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know what? Let's talk about AMP. God, mm-hmm. you haven't. Yep. Jesus yep. wept. I mean, this is this is the <laughs> blue chip stock. It, it's a blue chip stock. Look at yep. the banks. I, you know, yep. when you look at the last three or four years, they've been a pretty mediocre mm-hmm. investment. So, so <laughs> just because something is big, just because yeah. something is in the ASX fifty, don't for a second think that it's a safe that it's a Absolutely. safe company is what yep. I would say. I agree completely. Um, I would say, look at it on, I'm very much what they call a bottom-up investor. You know, I hate all these labels and these categories and these sector classification. Look at the, forget the share market, look at the damn business. You know, what, what, is the, what, are, these, what are these people doing? What, how are they making money? Just, and look at it on a case-by-case basis. And, and, and the brokers can have fun with labeling stuff and putting it in factor-themed investment strategies and the rest of it, and good luck to them. Um, but, but for me, it's all a bit of a nonsense. Just, 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 just keep it simple, focus mm-hmm. on the business. And you know, whether it's a billion dollars or whether it's $200 million, that to me doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't speak to its risk. I like it. So, so let me, so then go. I, I think it's a really good point. I, I didn't mean to miscategorize your approach. I'm just thinking about people who are listening who are saying, "Look, small cap seems too risky for me." As you say, it didn't necessarily need to be, which is the first point. If you are going to invest in those type, if you are attracted to 
companies that might otherwise be described as blue chip. Mm. How would you separate the wheat from the chaff on a risk perspective mm. when it comes to those big businesses? Actually, the same way as they do with small business. So, so firstly, if you don't understand the business, don't invest in it. That's, okay. that's the first filter. And I've got to tell you, for, as, for me, as a filter, that gets rid of 80% of stocks, right? Because <laughs> I'm not that smart, you know? I look at a lot of, particularly, I've got to say, I've, I struggle, my, my weakness, an area of weakness I'm very aware of is, is financing companies, credit-oriented right. credit companies. Yep. Um, yep. It shouldn't be. I kind of feel as though I get it, but, but it's something that's just a bit slippery for me. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 would, I would very much um, ask, do I understand mm. the business? Mm. Um, and then I would basically say, well, where, if by understanding the business, I can start answering some really important questions such mm. as what competitive advantages, i.e. moats, do they have, which we, we talked mm. about last mm. week a lot. Um, uh, what, is, what is their likely growth outlook going to be like uh, on a conservative basis? Um, understanding the business, that gives me a good perspective on the kinds of risks that matter. Again, not the short-term mm, cyclical mm, kind of risk, but the, but the yep. long-term important structural risk. It just, everything flows from there. So to answer your question, whether it's a big company or small company, it's the same. It's all of the same process. Yeah. And if, if you, and, uh, um, Manish Pabrai talks a lot about checklist investing, which is really great. So when you get into a plane, the pilots in the cabin, they're actually going through <laughs> this checklist saying, have I checked this? Have I done yeah. that? Yeah. There's yeah. these yeah. super smart, experienced people with, with thousands of hours <laughs> of right. flying experience. Yep. You know, they know that you've got to put the wheels up when you take yes. off. But yes. they still have a checklist that they go through. I, I and medicine is apparently dramatically enhanced for exactly the same reason, yes. right? Despite yes. these 10 years of... of of medical training for these guys who are just know more about this stuff than you know they've forgotten more than I'll ever know. Yep. And yet we know as they do it, it, it actually, you know, it makes a meaningful improvement to the patient's health and chances of recovery and frankly, you know, 100%. drops death rates if they just make sure they tick the boxes as they go. Same for investing. You know, so you have a checklist. And it just, mm, uh, it's, mm, you know, mm. some people might have 100 points on it. You might have 10 points, whatever it is, yeah. go through it. And, and size, size doesn't matter for me when it yeah. comes, when it comes yeah, to shares. But, but going through that, the, the process is what yeah. matters. And that's, yeah. that's how I'd answer your question. I, I think it's good. I'm going to only add, uh, as I was thinking about the, the large caps, I was just, uh, my thought was, if you're buying larger businesses that are going to grow less quickly, you've got less room for the winners to cover your losers yes. to the same degree, yes. right? So if I pick a smaller company that has a tenfold uh, opportunity, you know, if shares can go from 10 to 100 over its life, now maybe it doesn't, right? So that's why you're diversifying, you've got a basket of them. But you know, if, if, I, if I pick one company, the 10 bags, I can afford to lose everything on the other nine and still come out ahead. Like yep. literally everything, right? Yeah. If I buy BHP, Woolworth, CSL, Commonwealth Bank, Telstra, West Farmers, none of those are going to 10 bag anytime soon, if at all in my lifetime. No. And so if you're going to buy them, firstly, I guess I would argue, maybe you would say the same, um, maybe you don't want to buy them at all because the upside simply isn't good enough for the risk. That, that's, that's what I was thinking about when I was thinking about risk. You have to be a you, genius valuer to, to do well on those businesses. And you want to make sure you, you don't, you know, it's your point about Woodside and potentially Crown and others. You can't afford to have businesses that blow up in that list because no. if you lose half your investment on a crown or yep. Woodside goes nowhere for 10 years while mm. the market grows at 10% a year Again. you've yep. effectively you, you've more than halved your relative return or relative cash if you'd invested 100 grand in the market 10 years ago what's that worth today mate 160 grand conservatively yeah probably at Woodside it's still yep. worth 100 yep. and so you know the, the, the missed opportunity there um, versus an ETF, let alone let alone making money, I, I would just say you've got to you've got to be right more often yep. with big companies because the upside simply is not going to cover your mistakes on the other side, and that's probably an argument, frankly, to to look outside the top top twenty and thirty companies because mm. it's really really hard to be right that frequently. Peter Lynch, the famed US fund manager, as you said, mate, you know, it's said if you're good, you're right six times out of ten. Now, if you're right six times out of ten with ASX twenty stocks. I don't think you can beat the market, can you? No, I don't think you can. No, almost mathematically, it's, yeah. just, it's just really, really hard to to beat the market. Mate, I was going to give you a hard time about Bitcoin, but I've run out of time, which is really disappointing. Uh. Let me just say it's 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 fallen, it's halved in the last four months, and uh, I'm just I'm just going to leave that there. Listeners, if you want to hear more about Bitcoin, you want me to ask Andrew about Bitcoin next week. Make sure you let, let us know. Let us know on on the social. I'll go through those in a minute, but. If you want to hear Andrew defend the independent, no, I'm kidding. Um, we might talk about Bitcoin next week. I was also going to talk about M&A, mate. There's some fascinating stuff. We talked about it last week, so maybe yes. it wasn't bad that we missed this one. There's a cool little company that you have mentioned to me before we recorded. The company's name is E-Road. I'm going to leave that there as a little teaser. I'm yes. going to ask you to elaborate next week. Are you up for that? I am. I am. Some interesting stuff happening. All right. I'm going to take 30 seconds to rant. And I... Okay, corporate- but I'm timing you, though. 
corporate spin and PR is out of control, right? <laughs> Afterpay it? was marketing itself the other day as a budget management company and I almost threw up my breakfast. <laughs> I, if, you're, if you're lending people money to help them budget, you are not helping people budget. I, I say that only to, to suggest there's others out there who are now trying to launch businesses that'll basically pay you early. Wait, instead of waiting for your boss to pay you every week, fortnight or month, they're promising to pay you early. They'll take the little clip of the ticket. Can I tell you, once you're on that treadmill, you are screwed. If you can't meet your bills this month and you need to, you need to pull forward next month's pay, guess what? Once you do that, you have to pull forward the months after pay because you've used that money already. Mm. You are these, these, I'm not going to talk about individual companies or individual people because I don't want to get slandered or sent to court. These businesses are leading you down a path of, a path of financial ruin. I will just say, it looks attractive. Why wouldn't you want your pay early? Of course you would. Guess what? If you take it five days earlier, it's going to run out five days earlier. That's what happens. Mm. And so you're going to have to take next month's pay early and they've got you. They've, they've literally, it's the old, um, can, I, can I make this analogy? Yeah, bugger it. It's the old drug dealer who gives you the first hit free and then you've got to come back for the second one, right? Because you're hooked. <laughs> Good how, do you, how, do you get, yeah. how do you get off the treadmill? If you take your pay a, a week early every month, how do you get off that treadmill? You can't. So yeah. this is this is companies will do what they do. Who cares? I'm not going to invest in them. Um, I can't stand the idea. Um, but listener, please, for the love of God, no matter how much trouble you get yourself in, there are government agencies that can help you. There are not for profits that can help you. Go and learn to budget. Go and help get your debts sorted out. Please don't get in this treadmill of getting your pay early. It will just end in tears. I promise you. Please, 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 avoid doing it. No matter what attractive stories what ads they put on how many fluffy animals they advertise with um, it is just a crap crap thing to do that was you almost agree? two minutes it, was, it wasn't quite 30 seconds two minutes really <laughs> yeah. dear oh dear worth it though right <laughs> I thought I'm just going to time just, we'll just see <laughs> but, when you said 30 <laughs> seconds I thought yeah right <laughs> no chance <laughs> no chance <laughs> not, not you know people in glass houses and all that but yeah I can thought, I say mate I, I'm, I'm, I've never been happy to go over time on anything other than a rant to help people hopefully if, if it just saves one of our listeners mate from getting themselves getting their financial life screwed up by doing this stuff I, I agree with you though by the way yeah there's no such thing oh. as a free lunch right like that's that's the first thing you need to know <sighs> just, it's just it's just like it's just really like, it's really crap mm. like life's hard enough right mm. without these people bloody are they predators I don't know I won't say they are <laughs> you can draw your own conclusions <laughs> mate um, let's finish if you are on Twitter jump on to at sage underscore Simeon that's Andrew's Twitter handle and at strawman invest particularly this week because it sounds like there's some cool new things happening at strawman.com so you probably want to find out I'm not sure how have you have you have you tweeted about Strawman Premium yet on on the Twitters? Yes, I have. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not on my account, but on the other one. So I'll, I'll, I'll send something out soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you me. go. Jump on at Strawman Invest. Find out what Andrew's talking about, and then go to Strawman.com and find out what Andrew's talking about. I'm going to do that as soon as we press the end button on this recording. Good man. Um, also, jump onto my Twitter account and the Motley Fools at TMF Scott P and at the Motley Fool AU. You can jump on both those there. You can use the same handles on Instagram. You on Instagram yet, Andrew? Nah. Oh, dude, the cool kids are all on Instagram. When you go on TikTok, I'll go on Instagram. <laughs> I'll make you a deal. I might, I might do that just to get you on Instagram. I'm not entirely sure yet. Oh, mate, I couldn't. Can you imagine me on TikTok? That's embarrassing no. for everyone. <laughs> That'll be the end of the play. At that point, you should short TikTok is all I'm saying. Um, Instagram at TMF Scott P at The Motley Fool. Are you on Facebook? You can jump on The Motley Fool Australia and you can jump on Scott Phillips Money. And if you want to send us an email for our mailbag episode which is coming up this very Sunday Andrew you yes, in? I am I'm in make sure you listen to the Count mailbag episode and if you've got any questions we love your questions please let us know any of those socials you can get us or info at fool.com.au if you have an email you want to send us and our member services fools will make sure that makes its way to us for the podcast this weekend or possibly in one of the next couple of weeks after that we've got a heap already we're going to get more in we're really excited against some of your questions so make sure you do that until then fool on See you later. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.